This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Admiral James Stravitas, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, currently a member of the Carlisle Group and author of several bestsellers, including one so appropriate for now, uh, 2034, a novel of the next world war. It's against China. And uh, some of the way this stuff plays out is, reads like real life, even though it's listed as fiction. We'll get to them in a matter of moments. But I do uh, want your calls at 45 after. Bottom of the hour, Congressman Buddy Carter will be with us, member of the House Budget uh, and Energy and Commerce Committee, as well as Subcommittee on Environment and Climate Changes, uh, Climate Change. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Crime is rising rapidly in our inner cities. Part of it is due to, I think, unfortunately, extreme left-wing progressive politicians where people are not being charged for the crimes they've committed. Crime rising everywhere as mayors spar and uh, spar with governors, Adams and Abbott, and Governor DeSantis suspends a law-breaking Soros-sponsored DA while the administration keeps their head in the sand and won't stop the do-nothing DAs or even attempt to seal the border, causing havoc in all 50 states. Number two. The United States is prepared for what Beijing chooses to do. We will not seek, nor do we want, a crisis. We will not be deterred from operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific. Okay, uh, John Kirby, China is not the only one furious at Nancy Pelosi. They just sanctioned her. So is the White House and State Department, who reportedly tried to convince the Speaker not to go, according to Bloomberg. China is in day two of their exercises surrounding the island nation that sent a rocket, a missile, over Taiwan for the first time. Number one. The idea that it's inflation reduction is something out of George Orwell. It's not. But actually, the deficit gets worse for the next four years until it gets better after that. And I'll talk about that in 10 minutes. Uh, Larry Kudlow, it will pass and let the damage begin. I'm talking about the Manchin-Schumer debacle, which Cinema now on board. It will likely pass Congress Saturday. What the numbers say it will do and not do to the economy and your wallet. But first things first, this morning we have the Speaker of the House in South Korea at the DMZ yesterday, at which time it looks as though China has broken off talks with us on military and climate. They've also personally sanctioned Nancy Pelosi and her immediate family. Uh, What is the aftermath and what about these exercises, how they are playing out? A man who knows the region as well as anyone in the country joins us now, Admiral James Stravitas. Admiral, welcome back. What's your take on the impact of the Speaker's trip? Well, it's very uh, unhelpful, the U.S.-China relations. But let me begin by saying we cannot cede to China the ability to dictate who can come and who can't come, whether they're private citizens or senior government officials. That's our call. And above all, it's the call of the Taiwanese. Having said that, 
tactically, Brian, um, this is going to put a lot of uh, sand in the gears in terms of uh, trying to reduce tensions. And here's what I'm really worried about. You've got uh, Chinese fighter pilots, uh, yeah. Chinese destroyer captains. They're operating under very tense circumstances. They've surrounded effectively blockading Taiwan. Just a few hundred miles away to the east are uh, three U.S. carriers, uh, one nuclear-powered, uh, two of our conventional-powered, um, very capable uh, U.S. strike force. They're going to come in contact. And so the real worry, Brian, is a miscalculation that occurs up there in the air, in particular, as it did about 20 years ago when a U.S. P-3 was forced down to land on Hainan Island. So we got to remember, up there flying these jets, that's not Tony Blinken up there flying that Hornet, um, you know, measured, calm, senior, et cetera. This is Goose and Maverick, if you will, are up there and their equivalents on the Chinese side. So the potential for an incident, a miscalculation, a spark is pretty high right now. So we understand the drills are in six zones uh, over the last two days. Uh, they're really, it looks like for uh, some people are saying, they're looking like it's a dry run for sealing off the island. You wrote about different ways in which this war would begin or the takeover the, of Taiwan would happen. Is this it? Um, certainly, we have studied this. We, the U.S. Navy, we, the Department of Defense, have thought China might, instead of launching an immediate full-out invasion, might start with a blockade. And boy, they're showing us what it would look like. They're just flooding zones all around the island, north, south, east, and west. They're launching missiles just off axis from the mainland that are not hitting Taiwan, but are uh, hitting uh, parts of the Pacific Ocean to the north and south. As you mentioned, they're uh, potentially overflying. A very, very dangerous situation. And yeah, this is a bit of a dry run for what a blockade would look like. And if they institute that, then the international community has a big decision to make, just like we're making in Ukraine right now with the grain shipments coming out. Do we go in effectively and crack that blockade? So this is a path to real escalation, very worrisome. So we see that uh, Japan has called on China to stop the exercises. Five of their missiles land in the so-called economic zones. And China's foreign minister yesterday walked out of a dinner at a regional diplomatic forum in protest of the criticism from the U.S. and other nations by the way they've been acting since the visit. So some of these things are, are, pretty, are, are pretty direct. The other thing China did is they were no longer talking about climate and military. What's the ramifications of that, if any? Um, the military one worries me particularly because what we were discussing uh, is a series of communication protocols so that if a Chinese fighter and a U.S. fighter ended up in the same airspace, how would they communicate? How would they ensure they didn't have an inadvertent miscalculation, as we were talking about earlier? When that stops, again, the risk of miscalculation goes up. Look, climate, long-term issue, that can be put on pause uh, but I worry a lot uh, additionally, and you're going to be talking to an economist uh, shortly, I think, ask him about uh, what the impact of this will be on economic talks. Potentially, we were thinking about lifting tariffs, which would help U.S. consumers. Now that looks like it's on hold. So overall, we've got a, a very difficult tactical situation here. I, I'm not predicting a war in the next 
few weeks or months, but I do worry about a miscalculation that could spark something broader. Well, we understand the Pentagon is delaying another intercontinental ballistic missile test to avoid, get this, angering China during their military drills, even though ours was announced. Uh, Some people are saying that that shows a weakness. They're postponing a routine test launch of an Air Force Minuteman III intercontinental missile to avoid uh, further uh, problems. Do you feel that sends the wrong message? I think that uh, our position ought to be business as usual. We ought to be sailing our ships where they would normally go. We ought to be conducting military training and tests. We ought to be doing our land exercises. Our Marines ought to be deploying where they deploy in the Pacific. Business as usual, at the same time saying to China, look, so we you shouldn't have stopped it. We shouldn't have stopped it. We should have done the Correct. test. Yes, I agree with that. I think that business as usual is the order of the day alongside a message to China that, look, we're not looking to escalate this situation and neither should you. It's not in either nation's interest. So I understand that uh, behind the scenes, you, you know diplomacy, you also know military. Behind the scenes, the State Department and the White House officials went and said, hey, listen, Not a good time to go. Why don't you just postpone it? And evidently her indications was this is going to be like a capstone to my career. If that's the case, this would be a totally selfish move. Um, I'll let others judge whether the motivations of the speaker were purely political, personal, somewhere in between or both. But I will say this. It's an unhelpful time for a visit like this, and it has done nothing to try and Uh, reduce tension in the region. It's confrontational, and I don't think it's a good time for uh, that kind of move on the part of the senior U.S. official. So what happens is we're finding out that Taiwan is short of fighter pilots, a lot of their submarines from World War II. Uh, A lot of the stuff is out of date. They need more to defend themselves. So are we going to blatantly get them defensive uh, weapons like their own HIMARS? or whatever it would take to be uh, missile defense? And if we do that, can you see China interdicting the delivery? We ought to be uh, ahead of the game here with Taiwan, meaning uh, offer them the opportunity to purchase. Uh, Let's not forget, this is a very rich country, very different than Ukraine. Uh, As a standalone economy, a nation of 23 million people, it's roughly the 30th largest economy in the world. They certainly have the capacity to purchase weapons from us, from the West, from any source that makes sense. What they need are anti-ship cruise missiles. They need smart mines that can go into the water, be turned on, be turned off as necessary. They need better missile defense. They need better cyber. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen a Chinese cyber attack directed at Taiwan. Watch for that over the next 48 hours. Um, The point is the Taiwanese can and should be purchasing weapons. We ought to make sure that we offer them the systems that make the most sense to defend themselves. I want you to hear what Gordon Chang said about what their ultimate goal is with Russia. Cut 15. Certainly China would like to replace the dollar as the global reserve currency with the renminbi. Now, China's wanted to do this for decades, Tucker, and so have the Russians. But now they're actually attacking the dollar because they think they can get away with it. And so, therefore, this is a moment of vulnerability because certainly if we don't have the global reserve currency, the power of the United States will be substantially diminished. We'll talk about that, the feasibility of that and what it would mean, please. Um, he's, uh, Gordon is absolutely right that China and Russia are drawing together 
Um, they're doing military exercises all over the world. They're aligning politically and economically. They would love to see a diminishment of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. In terms of their ability to manifest that, I think it's pretty low right now, simply because uh, look at the facts on the ground. Every time tensions start to rise up, people demand dollars. They want dollars. We continue to have the, the strongest economy in the world. Uh, we, we thought five years ago China would be overtaking us about now. Now it's, well, let's wait and see. China has major demographic problems, major internal economic problems. So I think the chances of Russia, which has a broken economy, particularly under sanctions, and China, which has its own set of challenges, particularly under constant COVID lockdown, the chances of them squeezing the U.S. dollar out of its position as the top reserve currency, I think, are unlikely in the near term. Um, lastly, just about the Ukraine, uh, what do you hear about the operation Ukraine's under to take back Kyrgyzstan? I know they've blown up bridges, kind of trying to box in the Russian occupying forces. Is it, can you shed any light on that for our listeners? I can. Um, it's going reasonably well. They're doing exactly what you described, Brian. They're trying to cut off the logistics. As we all know, Russian logistics have been pathetic throughout this period. Um, what the Ukrainians want to do is isolate those Russian forces, crack their morale, then they'll move offensively. I think they've got a reasonably good chance at retaking the strategic city of Kherson. That would be a major tactical victory and a major psychological victory. Would you urge the Pentagon and the White House to back off the vaccination policy because you're about to lose tens of thousands of National Guardsmen who do not want to be vaccinated in a time in which the vaccination is not effective and the booster doesn't address this variant, should we really be diminishing our National Guard forces because of that? Um, Brian, I disagree that we should uh, walk away from the vaccinations. I'm a firm believer in the vaccine. It's not perfect. No vaccine is. But, um, you know, when I joined the Navy, I took nine vaccinations. I took 11 anthrax shots in the run-up to the Persian Gulf War. Um, I think there are still good, strong reasons to apply those vaccines. So, no, I would not argue for taking those away. 40,000 National Guard members, 20,000 Army Reservists will be told to hit the streets. Is that okay? Um, Let's wait and see how it all comes out in terms of the numbers. But the bottom line is... If you won't take the vaccine that I just took uh, for, I think, very clear medical reasons, I'm not sure I want you as my shipmate headed into combat. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to get into this, but I, I also know three college athletes who, who have been unable to get back on the field because of the vaccine and the swelling of the heart, and they're, they're in, they were in prime shape. Uh, I'm sure we can find lots of anecdotes Um, On the other hand, I would argue that the vaccines have saved uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of American lives. I think that's indisputable scientifically, Brian. Yeah, I I just I don't think we should lose 40,000. I assume you you are vaccinated and your family are vaccinated. No, well, I I got vaccinated, but I not get boosted. The booster is not effective against this variant, and I see no reason for it. Um, but uh, that's a decision that I think even they're changing the policy gradually in businesses and around the country. I'd hate for the Army to pay the price. I hate for the military to pay the price. Uh, I'll say this, Brian. Um, policies ought to change as new facts emerge. 
As I look at the fact pattern at this moment, I would still advocate for uh, the shots. All right. Uh, we see a video now uh, from Thursday of the speaker in Japan. She was just in South Korea. Uh, thanks so much, Admiral. We'll keep you up. Thanks so much for riding the breaking news with us. You bet, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. You, you got it. one 408 Congressman Buddy Carter at the bottom of the hour. Your call's next. We'll follow all the breaking news here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. fastest three hours in radio you're with brian kilmeade states attorneys that put their ideology over the rule of law are not satisfying their oath of office we've had prosecutors around this country that think they can pick and choose which laws to enforce and we had the individual here from hillsborough county say and sign letters that there are certain laws he just won't enforce and won't prosecute and and that is not consistent with his oath of office, and he is uh, eligible at that point for suspension and removal. So he's suspended. Andrew Warren, the AG, we're so frustrated with these district attorneys, uh, these district attorneys around the country in Chicago and Philadelphia and New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles, and also in, uh, in Florida, in the Tampa area, Andrew Warren basically is telling everybody on camera, I'm not enforcing the law. I don't care about abortion. I don't care what the, uh, what the Supreme Court says. And I'll bring you some of his interview with CNN a little bit later. But Governor Ron DeSantis says, yeah, he was elected. But what am I able to do? He looked it up and said, yeah, this guy's not doing his job. He's suspended. Now, last night he was saying he's going to come to the office anyway. I don't know what kind of – I think you can toss him out. And I think the security would because Ron DeSantis is, is when his auspices to do this. So Ron DeSantis, again, leading the charge. How many other Democrats, uh, independents, and certainly Republicans want to do the same thing to Alvin Bragg, uh, to Chesa Bodine? Uh, We see what's happening with the recall of Gascon in uh, Los Angeles. They have to know that there's going to be, instead of a formal recall, which is in Los Angeles, what I think Lee Zeldin's talking about doing is firing Alvin Bragg, then it's got to go to the legislature. But the fact that if, if Zeldin can get elected, it'll be because of crime. And if Bragg wants to keep his job more than a day, he will change his stance entirely or be fired on the spot, and we'll see what happens. Because I think the average person sees what's happening with the people refusing to go to jail, the, the prosecution refusing to prosecute, and uh, we are sitting here helpless. I think people are fed up with it. Again, Ron DeSantis ahead of the curve. Uh, and I don't think Democrats have any idea what to do with them. When we come back, Congressman Buddy Carter will be in studio. One of the most important elections is taking place in his state of Georgia. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Oops. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The thing I talk to my Republican friends, they always want to make sure that we... We just got to have more energy. Well, guess what? We're going to have a lot more. We're going to drill a lot more oil. We're going to have a lot more energy. We're going to build some more gas lines to take the energy. And we're going to invest in the future, energy for the future. So that's all there. They always say, well, we're going to pay down debt. Well, we're paying $300 billion for the first time in 25 years. Uh, that is uh, Senator Joe Manchin. And that was before we got the news that Kirsten Sinema has been won over. And on a simple majority on reconciliation, this Deficit Reduction Act, which does not reduce the deficit. And I haven't seen anyone that can actually say with honesty that it reduces the deficit. We'll get passed as early as Saturday, and the president will immediately sign it. It consists of $735 billion overall, $369 billion of which are the investment into climate and clean energy, the biggest in American history. There's some fossil fuel provisions, and I'll break it down, but I'm, it's rude not to get to my guests who you watch him on, you see him on Fox Nation right now. Congressman Buddy Carter in studio, uh, the Georgia uh, Republicans, a member of the House Budget and, and Energy Committee and Commerce Committee's subcommittee on the environment and climate change. Congressman, welcome back. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. So will this, what will this bill, once it passes, do? Well, actually, they have uh, misnamed it. It is the Inflation Acceleration Act is what it is. And it's going to pour fuel in the fire. I mean, that's the last thing we need right now. You do not increase taxes during a recession. And we are in a recession. He keeps saying I didn't increase taxes. Totally erroneous. If you read the reports, even from the the Joint Committee on Taxation, they have said that, yes, it is going to raise taxes, and it's going to raise taxes on those who are making less than $400,000 a year, which is something he said he would not do. What is the Joint Committee on Taxation? That is a bipartisan committee that um, reviews these types of of bills and and gives us their understanding of it. So Joe Manchin says to Harris Faulkner a couple of days ago, well, it was only the Republicans on that committee that did that study. I, I've never heard that since or be, uh, before or after. Have you heard that? No, no. That, that's, you know, that's sour grapes there. All right. So just not true. No. OK. Uh, this is what else he says. We are going for fossil fuel people. We're going to make government uh, going to make the government uh, clean out uh, and lessen the time it takes to get permits passed through when you want to drill. They are going to uh, allow more federal land. Uh, make that more available for drilling, expand tax credits for coal and oil burning plants to do carbon capture, and the money to bring wind and solar will go to areas in which the coal uh, plants have closed. He is going to get to continue his pipeline in West Virginia. If that is true, it's a good thing. Now, I am one who believes in an all-of-the-above type energy strategy. Yes, I do believe in climate change. I'm a member of the Conservative Climate Caucus. I'm on the Select Committee for Climate Change. I, I do understand that and how important it is. However, we're moving too quickly. We we are going to suffer the same fate that, that Europe has suffered. And what that have they is, suffered? They have suffered because they've let their policies get ahead of their innovation, and now they're in a mess. We I was just over in Brussels back in February and, and witnessed with the Conservative 
conservative climate caucus. We were there and we witnessed what is happening over there. They've shut down their nuclear plants. And now since wind and solar are not the are not giving us what they giving them what they need right now and supplying them what they need they've had to go back to russia they had to use dirty natural gas dirtier than what ours is and and use the fuel from russia so russia's cutting it off they've Absolutely. lessened it substantially on nord stream 1 and they've cut off Latvia entirely. Absolutely. And that's where Europe has gotten into the mess. European Union has gotten into a mess. Could they, we be doing more to help them? We, we should be, and we are. We, we, you know, if we could ex- export more natural gas, which keep in mind that uh, the natural gas here in America is cleaner than the natural gas that comes from Russia, about 47% cleaner. And that's what they should be using anyway. I have an export facility in my district, Elba Island, that w- at, one port was an, at one point was an import facility but was converted to an export facility. That's what we need to do is to convert those to export facilities. What about building terminals, LNG terminals in Europe? Absolutely. How long would that take? Two, three years? It it, it would be worth the investment. And and yes, it would probably take about that. Why would Russia, from what you know, think it's in their interest to cut off Europe now? Don't they need the revenue? Well, they're forcing Europe to do something we've been begging them to do, but it's going to be a tough... Six months, winter, right? Well, it, it is going to be, particularly for Europe, and they're trying That's to put pressure on you. But, but China is helping out Russia. China is buying more Russian fuel, more gas and oil from Russia. And let's face it, Russia is nothing more than a gas station masquerading as a country. That's all they are. China was getting – Thomas Friedman writes in, in the New York Times, who is very tapped into – the Biden White House. So when he reads, it's not just a guy looking in out the window wondering if this would be a good idea. You think it's got of information. Maybe he's got an agenda. He said China is helping us against Russia. He says they're not giving them weapons. They're not giving them drones. They're getting their drones from Iran for a reason. And he said that, you know, we for Nancy Pelosi to go visit there. It'll rattle their case to the point where they'll accelerate their uh, their relationship with Russia, maybe give them arms. Well, and perhaps that is true. I, I don't know what he bases that on, but I will tell you, and I'm, I'm sure— I don't know what he bases it on either. I think it's because he doesn't. they don't give him weapons directly, but they don't want to lose the European markets. They don't it, want to lose the American markets. It, exactly, and and as we well know, there are other ways to get weapons to them besides directly. I mean we're doing that ourselves in, in the United States with Ukraine. But the point is, is that I don't trust Russia any further than I can pick them up and throw them. That's the key. Uh, Russia is not our friend. Russia is not our adversary. Russia is our enemy. When we recognize that, then we'll be better off. Let's face it. The two greatest challenges our country faces right now are China and our debt, and we've got to address both of those. Right. Uh, Here is Senator John Thune on what he knows about this inflation reduction package. Cut for it. If you're you're worried about inflation, if you're worried about gas prices, if you're worried about uh, the economy generally, uh, I think this is a just a, a really bad bill, and I'm hoping that more Democrats are going to come to that realization. John Tester has not signed off on it, but he's not, he's not had this spine to stop anything, even though he could be using the same leverage in his red state as a Democratic senator that Manchin's been using. Yeah, I think it's a done deal. After Kirsten Sim signed off on it yes, last night or whenever it was, then you know I think it's a done deal in the Senate right now. What about carried interest? She held out and she's get, trying to get rid of it. Does it matter? Well, it, it you know it helps, and, but it doesn't matter. It's, it, it, the package as a whole is still completely bad. Um, also, uh, some things in the package, $7,500 to anyone buying an electric car. Billions in rebates to anyone who buys energy, energy-efficient appliances. 
uh, as well as companies that use solar or wind. Money will be paid to them, $60 billion to encourage clean energy usage overall. That could be anything. Who knows what that is? Could be a billboard. And uh, also $60 billion to poor communities who they say uh, is um, unfairly damaged because of climate. Again, here we are where we have the Democrats picking winners and losers. You can't do that in a capitalistic society. That does not – it's not the way it works, and that's what they're doing here. Uh, obviously. So that's happening. I'm looking at the market. We added to the surprises almost double projections. We had over 500,000 jobs, and the market's down 148 points. Is it, I, I sense that it has something to do with the pack, this package passing because they know what happened with the rescue plan. You put $1.9 trillion that we didn't need in the economy, and this passes. But evidently, Larry Summers got on the phone with Senator Manchin and convinced him that this would be different, that this would actually help the economy. Now, for Joe Manchin's been a star. If it wasn't for him, we'd have Puerto Rico could be a state and D.C. could be a state. The court could be packed. The filibuster could be gone. So you can't dismiss that. Can you bring us behind the scenes to know what brought Joe Manchin here? Well, obviously, he got a lot for his estate. He got a lot for West Virginia, and and I get it. I know they are hurting, and I know um, from personal experience, we represent the people who elect us. That is what we're up there for. But at the same time, this this bill, again, is the Inflation Acceleration Act. What it's going to do is put fuel on the fire. You cannot spend your way out of inflation. Let's face it. That's the key here, and that's what is going to happen. This is fuel on the fire. I don't have to tell you that the Speaker of the House – She's in the majority for a few more months and looked by all reports, but who knows. Uh, and evidently, to put a capstone on her career, she insists on taking this trip. And Bloomberg writes that the White House is furious with her and the State Department is furious with her. They wanted her to just postpone. And she said, I'm going anyway. Since that time, there's been live fire uh, military exercises by China. And first time a missile flew over the island in Japan, five rockets hit their economic zones. And the, the speaker has now been personally sanctioned and they've broken off climate talks with us and military talks with us. Just your take. Uh, Congressman, on that. I have to tell you that I believe in giving credit where credit is due, and I applaud uh, Speaker Pelosi for doing what she's done because, let's face it, Joe Biden doesn't have the guts to stand up to China. We witnessed his leadership and his weak leadership in, in Afghanistan when he did what no other president, what no other administration has ever done, and he left – he left Americans behind enemy lines. I, I can never get over that, and I never will get over that, and America should not get over that. Joe Biden it, it portrays weakness, and, and weakness is not what we need against China. We should be dictating the rules against China, not them dictating us, to us. Uh, here's what Chris Kuhn said. He, he kind of agrees with you, cut nine. She's just one of many American elected leaders in Congress over decades to visit Taiwan. She's not the first speaker of the House of Representatives to visit. Um, it did escalate tensions uh, with China. But one of the things I've emphasized, and so have many others, is that our one China policy has not changed and the core commitments made in the Taiwan Relations Act have not changed. Well, I agree with you. I know you got to stand up strong. The fact that they can't get on the same page. With the speaker and the president, it's not Trump and Pelosi. This is Biden and Pelosi. The fact that she's doing it, the fact that the president says the Pentagon doesn't want her to go and the Pentagon says, no, I, I never said that. Really? That This looks like the Keystone Cops. And Senator Lindsey Graham had a great line. He says it gives a bad name to the Keystone Cops. Uh, Congressman Buddy Carter's with us. 
uh, out of that uh, key state of Georgia. You're the new Florida when it comes to this election. <laughs> I was able to spend a day with Herschel Walker. I think he's dramatically underestimated. He's taken out Raphael Warnock, who pulled off a big upset in beating Kelly Stauffer in your state. Your reaction to what happened in 2020 and what do you think the chances are of Herschel, who's within the margin of error, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on the last poll, uh, against Warnock? Well, what happened in 2020 is our voters didn't get out. And I hope we learned an important lesson there that we have to get out. It is extremely important. And I think that we have learned that lesson and we will turn our voters out. If you look at this primary that we just finished, we had uh, the largest turnout we've we've ever had, which tells you two things. First of all, we learned our lesson. Secondly, the Election Integrity Act that was passed by the Georgia legislature actually gave people more confidence that we are. You mean Jim Crow (laughs) 2.0? Yeah, right. Let me tell you, the election. Election Integrity Act was the best thing that this legislature has done. Do you think they were smart to do it behind closed doors? Do you think they should have just been more out with it in terms of the presentation? Perhaps. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, that that could have been the case. But uh, at the same time, I, I, again, I think it gave people the uh, the confidence that we need to, to do that. And, yes, you are right. I think Herschel's going to be fine. Herschel's a personal friend. I endorsed Herschel early on. And one of the first ones to endorse him, as a matter of fact, and Herschel is, has surrounded himself with good people. He's listening to them, and I think he's going to be our next senator. So I think that any uh, any military person is extremely gratified and look forward to voting for him because he's been to over 400 bases throughout his career as a player and beyond just as a citizen. Number two, law enforcement loves him. Yes. Because he he has very intimate friends with some of the leaders in law enforcement, and they know he's spoken with them and done him many favors because he really feels it. I've seen it. But what he has to do, and I'm kind of surprised, he grew up in a working class uh, African-American area. His dad was a chalk, worked in a chalk factory. Mm -hmm. You know, his mom uh, also had a job. He had a big family, very little money. And he understands what it's like to farm. His dad was a farmer. But yet he only has 15 percent of the black vote. How would – why – and I know other, uh, other Republicans can still win with that. But Herschel doesn't have to. How does he get his message to the black community? Well, I think Herschel was an example of someone who has, as you indicated, um, pulled himself up from the bootstraps and has really done exceptionally well. He's born in the same area my dad was born in. And, uh, you know, I feel a special affinity to him because of that. And, and I will tell you, Herschel Walker has a heart of gold. He, he truly does care. And that's what's going to set him apart from Raphael Warnock. How a, a minister, any minister, can support abortion is beyond me. Right. Uh, and he is he is at Martin Luther King's church. And when they go to the debate, they did agree to a debate on October 14th on the governor's race. I had a chance when I was with Herschel Walker and I'll have that uh, part two of that feature on One Nation on Saturday night at eight and eleven. But I also had a chance to see Stacey Abrams, who spoke before Herschel. Very talented. Yes. Extremely good speaker. Good personal story, but really struggles in front of law enforcement because I don't think she believes in them. I think she believes they're the problem. She does. Um, you know, I serve with Stacey in the state house. It is not the same Stacey Abrams that I served with 15 years ago. I She's trailing by about two points. She is, and, and there are a number of reasons for that. First of all, uh, her profile and, and her beliefs are, are leading, are turning voters off. However, I will say that Brian, uh, Brian Kemp has done an excellent job as governor, and he deserves to be reelected. And I think the people of Georgia recognize that now. If she wins, she'll run for president almost immediately. Absolutely. Right. So every, all eyes are in Georgia. Can you handle the pressure? Oh, yeah. 
How okay. much would you like to be a, be in the majority in the House? How much different is that than being in the minority? Well, I can tell you I've been in both. I've been in the majority and in minority, and I and, and, and the minority stinks and, and because you don't control the agenda, and, and that's the key. You've got to be able to control the agenda. Right, and it looks like almost everybody's saying you'll take it, and you'll look at a cha- what chairmanship are you going for? I, I'm running for budget chair, which, I, as I said earlier, I think the two greatest challenges in our country are China and our debt. As a father, as a grandfather, I will tell you that uh, leaving this generation with $30 trillion in, in debt, that's intergenerational theft. Thank you so much. Uh, Congressman Buddy Carr has found his way into the studio, and we're thrilled. Member of the House Budget Committee could be chairmanship. I have a key chairmanship down the line. Talk to you again, Congressman. Thank you. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll have more on this and the other breaking news about more sanctions handed on Nancy Pelosi and breaking up of talks and the latest on Brittany Griner. That story's moving. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. No matter where you are in the globe, no one, if you're asking someone that just came to America, or where would you like to go, they're not going to say Idaho. They're not going to say, you know, they're going to say the city that everyone knows. They're going to say New York, you know. And so you basically set us up. And, you know, this is a real crisis. I don't know where to start with that. That is the mayor of New York City talking about 100 immigrants, he says, illegal immigrants coming to his city, burning his social system. I guess technically mine. I'm in New York. I appreciate his honesty getting in front of the microphone and saying what Democrats all know, but they don't say that these illegal immigrants landing in the middle of the night are a huge problem. They don't communicate. Federal government does not communicate with local municipalities. They're a burden on the schools. They're a burden with teachers. They're a burden on the shelters. They're a burden on food banks. And the president will not crack down on the border. But blaming the governor of Texas for allowing people to come to his city. He was only busing them to D.C., So he said, stop accusing me of busing people to your city. I'm not. But by the way, this is a huge problem. Come and see it. Adam says, no, no, you shelter them there and don't make it our problem. He goes, that's it. So Governor Abbott loaded up a bus for anyone who wanted to go to New York City, and it let out this morning. So Governor Mayor Adams, you had a chance to be a national figure and address a national problem. You want to be president. You tell everybody that. This could have been it. You could have been Henry Cuellar of the city of the urbans, the urban challenge. But instead, you're getting illegal immigrants and you tried to vilify a Republican governor. And he wants the scrutiny because no one, no one is helping. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeade.com. I'm going to be live August 27th in New Jersey, September 8th in Albany, New York. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, and of course in the Ukraine, and now in China, the hot spots that matter most. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Senator Tommy Tuberville in a matter of moments, and Tom, uh, uh, Tom Donano. He's going to be with us live, and we're going to be taking your calls. Uh, we have a lot of breaking news, including this. It looks like the Brittany Griner story is moving. It looks like the Russians are engaging suddenly on that swap after the verdict came down that she has to serve nine and a half years in prison. A joke. 
Uh, on top of that, I hope Whalen's included in this. But the swap scares me because it looks so wholly unequal. The arms dealer that's in jail has American blood on his hands, uh, and he's basically given enough weaponry out there to arm entire nations. So we'll follow that story as it happens. And meanwhile, more sanctions have come out of China. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Crime is rising rapidly in our inner cities. Part of it is due to, I think, unfortunately, extreme left-wing progressive politicians where people are not being charged for the crimes they've committed. There we go. Crime rising everywhere as mayors spar with governors Adams and Abbott. Governor DeSantis suspends law-breaking Soros-sponsored DA while the administration keeps their head in the sand and won't stop the nothing, do-nothing DAs or even attempt to seal the border, causing havoc in all 50 states. Number two. The United States is prepared for what Beijing chooses to do. We will not seek, nor do we want, a crisis. We will not be deterred from operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific. Okay, Admiral Kirby, if you were in charge, I'm sure that would be the case, but not with this administration. China's not the only one furious at Nancy Pelosi. They just sanctioned her. So is the White House and State Department, who reportedly tried to convince the Speaker not to go. China is in day two of their exercises surrounding the island nation of Taiwan, sent a rocket over Taiwan for the first time. Number one. The idea that it's inflation reduction is something out of George Orwell. It's not. But actually, the deficit gets worse for the next four years until it gets better after that. Uh, There you go. Larry Kudlow. It will pass and let the damage begin. I'm talking about the Manchin-Schumer debacle. With cinema now on board, it will likely pass out of Congress. What the numbers say it will do to the economy and your wallet. Let's go to Senator Tommy Tuberville on that. Senator, not a surprise, I guess, to you that Senator Kirsten Cinema got a few concessions and will sign on to this reconciliation bill. No, there's no doubt, Brent. That's how it works up here. You give me something and I'll vote for it. Uh, you know, it's just amazing to me how we've gotten into this spending mode. This will be over $4 trillion that Joe Biden has spent uh, since his, what, 16, 17 months in office. And Thank goodness we're going to be able to stop some of this in November, but it's still a long time. November, they've got plenty of time to spend more money. And unfortunately, we've got some uh, Republicans that have jumped in on some of this and passed it as well. So uh, they're not the only ones to blame for this. But, uh, yeah, they will pass this. And uh, the CBO report came out yesterday. It does not uh, reduce inflation. Uh, it is not going to re- reduce our our uh, the money that we owe. And it's uh, it's just a total tax bill. All they want to do is raise as much money, Brian, as they possibly can in these next few months to pay for their climate change agenda. Uh, and there's $400 billion in there for that. So uh, they won a couple of years ago, supposedly. They got control. And what are they doing? They're taking full advantage of it. And so when we get, hopefully, get control Uh, We'll do the same and change some of this stuff around. But right now, it is a disaster. Right now, the CBO reported that the Inflation Reduction Act will not reduce inflation. Extending Obamacare subsidies for the wealthy will reduce incentives to work. 15% corporate minimum tax reduces incentives for businesses to invest. And now they say when it comes to Medicare being able to uh, do price comparisons with different pharmaceutical companies in order to negotiate lower prices, it will knock out 
it will knock out that entrepreneurship. It'll it'll lock out re- research and development that makes us the best in the world. Well, exactly. You know, the copays are are you know uh, what is really holding up the American people, and it, and the and the thing that we've got to do with those, we got to keep them steady. You know, the people that make all the money in the drug business is called the PBMs. They're the middleman sets of prices for all this, and they're still going to make billions and billions. I think last year they made two hundred and fifty billion dollars. Uh, but you know we've got to have research and development. We got to make sure we can keep it where our drug companies can continue to work on things that nobody else in the world can work on. Uh, but again, this is just another tack on uh, the American system that we have, and we got to make sure that we don't destroy the golden goose. Uh, if we do that, we're going to have huge problems in the future. Uh, we already have problems in healthcare, and it's just going to make it that much worse. Right. You have, uh, we did some good news. It was uh, 500,000 jobs were added. They expected about 250, but the market is still down. So this is about to pass, and the market's still down. I'm wondering what they know that we don't know. Uh, we know that job labor participation hasn't changed. So there's some people who will not try to fill one of the 11 million open jobs. It's really befuddling to me. Uh, what do you, when you guys sit around and try to figure out why so many people aren't working and yet we can't get so many people, uh, we can't get staff for restaurants and bars and so many other, th- and, and uh, retail stores, what, what are the re- what's the reason? Well, like you said, it's a low participation rate. That's a problem. There's still 11, 10 to 11 million people that are not working. They're sitting on the sidelines uh, and uh, they're still getting benefits. Uh, a lot of people are using their credit cards. There's some people that are actually working one job and they're cutting another job out because they're working underneath the table for lower prices uh, and getting cash. Uh, hopefully that all change changes. But uh, government handouts have been a huge problem. I want to side effects from all this. I want to talk about that, but I also want to get to something else that I'm passionate about. And, and you live for a while and that's college sports. Uh, this name, image and likeness, you have put a letter together. You're concerned uh, about what it's doing to college sports. It allows people, whether it's you're an outstanding uh, swimmer or a quarterback at the University of Alabama, you can start making money off your name, image, and likeness, whether it's a, uh, a promotional deal at a dealership or whether it's Adidas who, who wants to see you with eye black on on the field. How do you feel it's changing sports? And do you, you like me, feel as though there's got to be some parameters put in place? I tried to stay out of this, Brian. I know more about it than anybody up here, but I tried to stay out of it. Once you get the federal government involved, then you got, then you've got somebody that's stepping in that's going to really put something that's going to stick. And when we do something, you know, it's law. So Joe Manchin uh, played college sports, obviously coached for forty years. Uh, I was going to stay out of it until this thing's all. It is, it's a disaster already. There's no rules, regulations. I'm not getting into this to stop money from coming into athletes. We need to put parameters down of how they can do it, when they can do it, and why they can do it. And if we don't do that, you're going to lose uh, women's sports, Olympic sports. Joe Biden's already attacking it with transgender uh, athletes uh, playing, and Title IX's really in a waiver as we speak. But you start taking money away from them, which is what's going to happen, you're going to lose women's sports, Olympic sports, and that's the reason we have to step in and make it right for all 50 states. Right now, you've got every state doing something different. We cannot allow that. So Joe Manchin and I are going to put parameters in, hopefully in the next couple of months, to say, listen, everybody's got to do it this way, and then go after it. But until we get those regulations and rules set in place, everybody, it's like the wild, wild west. 
and uh, well, we have got to slow this down. Can you explain this to me? I guess the I guess the athletes sued the NCAA for some freedom, and now they're basically sidelined. The NCAA goes, fine, do it. Go ahead, go get paid. And they just stepped aside, it seems. No, they don't want lawsuits. They, it's just like leadership. Uh, like a lot, a lot of things happen up here, Brian, people won't stand up for what they really believe in. And uh, the NCAA said, hey, it is what it is. Uh, Supreme Court uh, ruled this, go after it. But they didn't set any parameters. And that's what coaches, administrators, commissioners, they've all been in my office. Coach, we got to have help. You've got to step in. And so we're going to do this. Uh, and, again, it's not going to be 100% to where everybody's going to like it. But uh, we've got to save Olympic sports. We've got to save women's sports. And we've got to save college sports in general. And, uh, again, I'm not from making money. I've always been a coach at, hey, this is a hard job. You want to make money, that's fine. But we've got to have parameters right. where people understand what you can do and what you can't do. Why did you write the SEC in this letter? Why didn't you write all of sports or the NCAA? Well, I mean, we're going to. I mean, we, you know, we've talked to all of them. We've visited with all of them. Okay. It's it's a it's a situation where we got a broad range of people. We got I've talked to people in the Pac-10, uh, the Big Ten, uh, commissioners. I mean, I sent out a letter here recently that says if you got an idea, send it to me. So this is not an SEC deal. This is a college athletic deal. I know coaches and players. A lot of my players that play for me. Uh, Brian are coaching all over this country yep. and I'm hearing from them almost every day. And uh, when they're calling me, say, coach, we got problems. I know we got problems. There's so no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, We're getting in and, and hopefully we just, uh, the letter was just released. We'll start getting information in from anybody that wants to put some input in and we'll start putting this together sometime in September. And hopefully with Joe on the Democratic side, me on the Republican side, we can get 60 votes to pass this thing. Senator uh, Tuberville, our guest, Senator do you plan on having hearings first? Because it's not, this is not easy. This is, this is, you want to be fair. You don't want to limit people. This is their moment. I get it. Right. Uh, and there's a lot right. of people that you, most people don't go pro, which people should listen right now. But I don't know. I haven't heard the perfect plan yet. Do you think you know right now how to work NIL with some parameters? Yeah. That, I, well, just listening to the problems. You, and unless you know the problem, Brian. You can't solve it. So you're gonna have, are we going to hear it in the hearings, or are you guys going to have a oh, proposal? No. Okay. Yeah. No, we're going to do regular order on this. We're going to go through a committee, whether it's Commerce Committee or the Education Committee. We're going to get people to talk about it. We're going to bring people in to discuss it. Then we'll bring it to the floor uh, after hopefully getting it out of committee and discuss it and debate it there. This needs to be done the right way. I'm Hey, I, I don't know all the answers to this, but when I'm hearing all these problems, we had better come up with some answers. If not, we're going to lose it as we know it. All right, so let's talk about what's happening in China real quick in the, in the 90 seconds we have left. Uh, we ta- I told you about the military exercises taking place. They have not stopped. Japan is complaining. Five <laughs> different missiles have hit into their economic zone. And uh, we know the Speaker of the House has been personally sanctioned. Now they've broken off talks as China with us on climate change, breaks my heart, as well as military <laughs> Where do we go from here? What's the, we, have st- we, have, we have put on hold our military, our, our rocket testing that was scheduled for yesterday. Where, do you, where should we go from here? Brian, I'm on the Armed Services Committee, and we work on this every day. I don't know where we stand. I don't know where the Biden administration stands. You hear Kirby, from, you know, the spokesman from the Pentagon, saying one day that you know, uh, 
uh, President Biden said we back Taiwan. Kirby says we're, 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 we don't back them. You know, we're, we're not into their freedom. I mean, I don't. We, we have have to take a side, okay? And then we've got to work to, to determine uh, how we uh, affect the side that we're going to take. Uh, I've been to Taiwan. I went over there six, seven months ago. Me and several other senators talked to the president. So all the chip factories, they call us dirty rats. We're going over. You know, the Chinese call our offices every day. That's just the way they are. Uh, but uh, right now, they're doing all those drills uh, over in the Straits and all around Taiwan. It's a huge problem. They're coming, and the, but we know they're coming. We just don't know when, but we have to get a plan. But we've all got to be on the same page on this. We do not want another war, and this will be a war of all wars if this happens, and uh, I think everybody knows that, but we need to deter we need to make sure that we're transitioning from the Middle East over to the Indo-Pacific. We've got good commanders there. They know what they're doing. But, again, it's like coaching a football team or a soccer team, Brian. You have to have everybody on the same page to get the job done. And right now, uh, you know, we've got Chi- the Chinese in our country buying farmland, uh, running a lot of our uh, uh, our stock trading apps uh, that, uh, you know, they, they're sucking all the energy and the information out of our country as they possibly can. And we're sitting around wondering about whether we're going to call ourselves a he or she, what pronoun, uh, we're woke, our militaries, uh, you know, they're determining whether we want to, uh, uh, what type of people we want in the military. We, we are a disaster in terms of trying to put everything together to be a competitive country. Uh, this is the United States of America. We have a, a near-peer competitor now in China that is just racing back by us militarily and economically, and we better wake up and smell the roses. If not, it's going to be too late. I hear you. Uh, thanks so much, Senator. Always taking action. Tommy, Senator Tommy Tumberville, thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. one 408 Listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Then I would simply say to the governor, get rid of the prosecutors that won't uphold the law. You have the power to do it. Do it today. Why do we have to wait for her to act when we're sitting here with the police officers having a roundtable discussion? Why isn't she here? She's the one playing politics. I never mentioned her name. I came to sit down with police officers to learn. How do we make the streets safer? All she wants to do is go to Twitter and make politics. And that's true. Well, Kevin McCarthy came to New York. He sat down there with some police, uh, some cops to find out what's happening here because crime is out of control. Overall, up 36 percent. I could wow you with some numbers in New York City, but I know you're listening around the country and say, that sounds like my city. That sounds like Chicago. It sounds like Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Orlando in some in some cases, uh, in Jacksonville in some areas. So where you see it is you see a permissive a permissive criminal justice system allows criminals to take advantage of more and more innocent people, destroy the lives, and people just flee for places that are first and foremost secure and affordable. Both things are not happening in New York. And Mayor Adams is complaining that he can't get any backing from Albany. That's the capital of New York. Maybe you're, maybe, uh, maybe you're, you're, uh, you're, 
mayor is complaining to or your people are complaining to. Independents and Democrat and conservative Democrats, if there are any, or moderates, really have to speak up. But when it comes to what is happening in our cities, I thought Governor DeSantis took the bull by the horns. He's got a permissive DA that allows uh, crime to, uh, to run wild. So he took action yesterday. He took action and, and flat out uh, told this guy, you are suspended. Here is Governor Ron DeSantis saying that, you know, when it comes to abortion law, when it comes to uh, repeat offenders, you're not cracking down. So I will. Here's Ron DeSantis uh, talking about a DA that no longer, uh, I guess, will be able to do uh, his job. And I think he was pretty shocked to see him the subject, uh, to see him the subject of uh, cut number 17. State's attorneys that put their ideology over the rule of law are not satisfying their oath of office. We've had prosecutors around this country that think they can pick and choose which laws to enforce. And we had the individual here from Hillsborough County say and sign letters that there are certain laws he just won't enforce and won't prosecute. And and that is not consistent with his oath of office. And he is uh, eligible at that point for suspension and removal. Right. And here is Andrew Warren. He's the guy. And here he is in July. Cut 16. We all want abortion to be safe and legal. And now in many parts of the country, in many circumstances, it will be neither. And I know we've been focused a lot on how and where those lines are drawn. 26 weeks or 24 weeks or 15 weeks. But we are missing the fundamental question. It's not where we draw the line. It's who gets to draw the line. How about the Supreme Court? And then he welled up because he thought how sad it would be if his daughter can't have an abortion. Governor DeSantis has seen enough, so that's it. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Are you concerned with the continuation and expansion of Chinese gain-of-function research? Well, I think I testified here that they that on, in December 2019, they were doing synthetic biology on a cloning vector of the Nipah virus, which is 60% lethal. We just experienced a 1% lethal virus. Uh, my estimates would be that that could set us back a millennium. Um, the, the Black Plague was a 20% lethal event, and it was 250 years for civilization to return. That unbelievable. Uh, Tom Donano joins us now, adjunct fellow at Hudson Institute, was staff member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Assistant Secretary of State of Arms Control, Verification, and Compliance. Uh, Tom, welcome back. Brian, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, Well, first off, it's pretty amazing with this pandemic. You know, if I'm not sure what exactly happened, but almost everyone who agrees, clear thinking people, except Anthony Fauci, who still thinks he came from a, a platypus or something. She, he came out and, and, and believe it came from this Wuhan lab. It turns out Wuhan had to get locked down again last week. A million people locked down. So whatever they did, they can't control it either. Yeah, really stunning developments, uh, Brian. I, I, you know, I heard the opening clip. Uh, really some stunning testimony and some really measured, uh, smart questions uh, from the senators that were present um, it's too bad that it was only uh, the Republicans there. This is not a Republican issue. This is really a, uh, a question for a bipartisan question. And uh, we really need the entire country, the Democrats, to come along and help ask some of these hard questions. Really stunning testimony. So what did you learn uh, from the testimony of the origins? Uh, well, two things. Um, uh, first, 
Dr. Quay, who's a, a genius with 87 patents, uh, and some of the other um, two other very credible uh, uh, PhDs, uh, Dr. Ebright, Dr. Esvelt, uh, Dr. Quay talked about in, in great detail, in great detail in his written testimony, I encourage your listeners to read it, um, that he had discovered in a forensic uh, review of some raw data that the Chinese published um, from samples in 2019 at the, at the WIV, that he discovered traces of Nipah virus. Um, and as he pointed out in the opening clip, uh, Nipah virus is 60% uh, deadly. This is the virus that uh, contagion was based on. Actually, wasn't based on Ebola. It was based on Nipah. Um, so, uh, it, for me, from a for, as a former diplomat and a former uh, State Department official, it uh, it opens all sorts of questions that we need to talk to the Chinese about. We need to look at their declarations. What were they doing there? Uh, what was Nipah virus doing there? It is a select agent. It's highly deadly. And uh, again, really stunning that it was found as uh, as a contaminant um, at the Wuhan Institute. So uh, re- again, just really stunning to me. So uh, what's happening with these variants? It makes you think, according to a lot of people, including Redfield, uh, who was uh, the CDC director, he says that the way this thing is morphing, it has to be bioengineered by the by the way these variants are rolling out. Yeah, look, uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm a, I'm a policymaker. Uh, but I, I can tell you, Brian, that, um, look, it was very clear early on in the pandemic, and we've seen through, through emails and, uh, you know, that we've had to sue the government to get, which is, again, just mind-blowing. This has not been – the U.S. government's not been forthcoming. Um, the courts have had to force the NIH – and other government agencies to disclose public information um, because they've refused to do it. We know early on the pandemic, the same experts that uh, have since switched their view that it is a, uh, a natural virus, those same experts looked at the virus and said, it's, a, it's engineered, it looks engineered to us. Um, again, of course, they have the right to change their mind, but it just lacks credibility. It just doesn't add up. Uh, so we have to ask some hard questions of folks, uh, assuming and hoping, uh, never assume, right, that the GOP gets the gavel. We're going to ask hard, serious questions. Uh, it won't be political grandstanding. It'll be hard questions. Again, I thought Senator Paul did a great job in a very measured and smart uh, questioning. Senator Marshall has been a leader on this from Kansas. He's been a stalwart. Uh, keeping these questions alive is a million dead Americans. And uh, we need to get some answers. I would think so, uh, especially as we realize our vaccines are the best, but they're still not able to protect against this variant. Boosters are totally ineffective against it. I guess they lessen symptoms. Are you for mandating this vaccine to places like our military where we could be losing 40,000 unvaccinated soldiers? Uh, Again, uh, I'm not a public health expert, Brian, but as a U.S. citizen, no way. Right. And again, there's some other pieces of Dr. Quay's testimony I'd encourage you to read closely. Um, the presence of a of a protein called ORF8. Uh, again, uh, I don't want what to get into here, but essentially it blocks human immune response and and also would make the virus asymptomatic. Again, the the uh, this is stunning to me, and um, this is in congressional testimony. It's not hearsay. 
Uh, he's an expert. We have to look closely at how this protein got into the virus. Um, and again, Do- Dr. Quay's testimony talks about he's never seen a respiratory virus that has acted the way COVID-19 has, specific to the immune evasion and the asymptomatic spread. So uh, again, I'd encourage uh, people to read it, look closely at it, and I'd encourage uh, the folks on the other side of the aisle to help us ask better questions. If we're wrong, um, let, let's, let's get it right. But you, you can't pretend it didn't happen. It can't be done with one party. We really need a unified effort, and uh, we're going to get it if the GOP gets the gavel in the fall. All right, let's let's talk about our arms and let's talk about our enemies. We looks like Russia, we're trying to bleed them out. Ukraine is anyway and try to wait them out as they try to make some progress in Kyrgyzstan. And then we have the challenges of the ongoing military exercises meant to intimidate us and Taiwan taking place in the Pacific. What should our focus be? Uh, look, I think we can do both. I think the, the hard lesson of the Ukraine um, is, number one, Russia can't be trusted, right? Um, President Zelensky said has uh, said that it's obvious um, there was a treaty that uh, the United States and the UK had uh, um, called the Budapest Memorandum that convinced the Ukraine to give up the nuclear weapons. Um, I think they regret signing that treaty. Uh, so uh, that that's issue one. Issue two, I think, is really important: is you can't create a deterrent during a war. Uh, scrambling now, as we're doing, to get uh, uh, weapon systems. Uh, a credible deterrent to the hands into the hands of the Ukrainians to do that real time is almost impossible. Um, so, uh, and I think we can learn a lesson in Taiwan on this. Um, we need to continue to do what we're doing, create credible, um, more better uh, capabilities, more standoff capabilities that don't require the United States Navy to to sail right into the um, East and South China Sea to you know to to confront the 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 Chinese. And this is a matter of planning and long-term commitment to U.S. capabilities. It doesn't happen in weeks. It doesn't happen in months. There's a hard lesson to learn from the Ukraine. So what can we get to Taiwan that is that won't be interdicted or cause another international scene? Yeah, look, I, th- I, I think uh, in the Taiwan scenario, in the, we've been very busy, right? Uh, B-21's coming online, incredible platform, there are standoff capabilities that are coming online called the uh, long-range standoff LRSO capabilities that give the U.S. Air Force the ability to stand, have a standoff strike capability to create a deterrent to China. Say, if you do X, this capability uh, will be uh, available to us to deter you. But, you can, again, you can't create these um, uh, instantly, you can't create them in a matter of months. It's a it's a years long commitment. Uh, Democrats have been trying to kill our nuclear modernization for years. If finally, because the uniform services have protested so significantly, credit to General Milley um, to continue the modernization of U.S. nuclear forces. Um, so this is a long term, steady national commitment. That again, you're going to see in the fall. GOP gets the gavel. You're going to see GOP budgets that reflect these national security priorities. They have to be done. Mm -hmm. I want you to hear what Robin O'Brien said yesterday about what he's witnessing with China, their their overreaction to the speaker, and then the military exercises now going on for three days. Cut 10. Well, I'm very concerned. And uh, these these, uh, exercises that the Communist Party of China are engaging in with their People's Liberation Army and Navy and missile forces are not helpful. Uh, they're destabilizing to the whole region, and uh, 
and they really need to knock it off. They're escalating. They're using Pelosi's recent visit to Taiwan, which the Speaker of the American House of Representatives can go wherever she wants, and they're using that visit as a pretext to, to further their plans to, uh, uh, to coerce Taiwan into a reunification that it, it has no interest in. That is, uh, he's 100% right. He's kind of amazed that this is happening. There's some posturing, I guess, going on, too, for a guy that wants to get the lifetime. He wants to get the nod for a lifetime serving, President Xi. So are you worried with our, with our, uh, with the USS Ronald Reagan standing by, a nuclear-powered uh, uh, aircraft carrier, and all the, the missiles flying around that something could get out of hand? Absolutely, Brian. The rhetoric is the rhetoric is way out of bounds. Um, and, and China itself now finds itself trapped in its own rhetoric, the threats to the to the speaker. And kudos to her for going. Um, I'm glad that her ire can can be uh, you know sent towards an adversary of the United States instead of her political adversary yes. here at home. So kudos to the speaker. It was a rare moment of bipartisan power. I think we should learn from that. Um, that there are bigger fights. Um, much more severe enemies than the folks on the other side of the aisle. Um, Ambassador O'Brien's exactly right. The rhetoric's really dangerous. We need to take it down a notch. Um, and, uh, uh, again, kudos to the speaker. All right, Tom, you mentioned that uh, the Ukraine wishes they never gave up their nuclear weapons. Who can blame them? The, uh, Libya probably feels the same way. So when you look at what's happening right now, where are the Russians at, and where do you think you, Ukraine will have success with Kyrgyzstan getting it back? Yeah, again, uh, again, I'm not the right guy to talk about the tactical situation on the ground. But, you know, as I said before, you can't create a deterrent in a matter of weeks or months. This geopolitical uh, work that needs to get done, I think, uh, for example, adding uh, uh, Finland and Sweden to Norway, uh, so I'm sorry, to NATO is a, is a, a long-term strategic play. That will make a difference. Um, sure, sure there's, there's, there's arguments to be had about, um, Europe versus China, and I know uh, some debates are going on in national security circles, but that's the type of long-term strategic play that will prevent another Ukraine, right? And certainly our allies in the Baltics are looking very closely at what our response will be. That's Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. Um, so, uh, again, these are, these are important steps. Uh, we can't take our, bo- our eye off the ball of developing uh, uh, capabilities that can answer on the battlefield, and we cannot get trapped into this uh, two arms control uh, agreement, pieces of paper that are meaningless to the Chinese and the Russians. Absolutely. They only use them to constrain us and to give an advantage to them. There's look no further than the Ukraine and the Budapest Memorandum. Tom Tanano, thanks so much. Super, Brian. Thank you. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll come back and get your calls. Find out what you think about everything going on. We're continuing to monitor the situation on Capitol Hill. It looks like Senator Cinema's on board, but is Senator Tester? You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Miss a show? Have to tune out early? No problem. Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Texas governor invited us to the border. Uh, What the Texas governor should do is invite those who were trying to find housing in his state to give them housing instead of uh, sending them here. 
So his press secretary, that was Mary, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, press secretary, uh, just says, retweeted something, Texas governor, um, Texas governor about the buses arriving in New York City. In case you don't know, the buses arrived in D.C., started about a month ago. Uh, the legal immigrants who, instead of staying at the border, say, hey, how would you like a ride to D.C.? Now they said, let's take a ride to New York. And we watched the buses live on television. They're probably, uh, maybe there's more than one. Uh, dozens of people gotten off. I don't, th- I don't know if there's any services for them. They're going to be part of the system. Why should Texas go broke? Why can't all other 50 states go broke in hundreds of cities? So here is uh, what Fabian Levy writes. Breaking news, Greg Abbott admits that we've known for all along. Uh, he continued to use human beings as political pawns as discussing New York City will continue to welcome asylum seekers with open arms, as we have always done, but we will still need the support from D.C. A couple of things. You're already getting... Without your permission, the federal government from Texas and Arizona, maybe New Mexico, don't know, or California, they're already arriving in New York. So whether you like it or not, they're doing it. Greg Abbott says no one's touching it. I'm a governor. I'm sending them to these cities. You want to be a sanctuary city? You want to be a destination? I'll provide the air-conditioned bus, and we can go. We can go from there. It makes me wonder if there's even more to know. More to know. And I've been saying this. The earth is spinning faster than usual. Have you noticed? I have. I've been getting a little dizzy. Yeah, it's the, spin, the earth is spinning faster. Recently recorded its shortest day ever, June 29th, 2022. 1.59 milliseconds less than the average day uh, of the average day, according to a scientist. Did it see, do you remember June 29th? Did it go fast? It did go a little faster. Yeah, same here. <laughs> uh, the normal length is 24 hours, 83, 86 seconds. So, uh, as opposed to leap years would have an extra day added, a negative leap second would mean clock skip one second. So we're gonna, you know, for a while, generations in size didn't keep time. Eric, you know that, right? Sure. Normally we add seconds. This right. would mean we'd have to take one away. Would do you want to do that? No. Okay. Next, NASCAR driver Kyle Busch and family escaped the shooting at the Mall of America. I'm saying this could be bad, but Kyle Busch was just shopping. Uh, and his family had to escape from safety because uh, some clowns started shooting. Bloomington police said that no one appeared to be injured. We're still searching for the suspect that's securing the scene around 6 p.m. So uh, it just shows you average guys on a day off don't mind shopping. And people still, I went to the Mall of America once. You could not possibly see the whole thing. It's half shops, half amusement park. Next, Ellen Pompeo reveals that she wants her hit show, Grey's Anatomy, to change how they tackle social issues and be less preachy. Case in point. I think if I had any desire, honestly, it would be to be less sort of preachy in one episode about certain things. It's like we do one episode about, let's see, Asian hate crimes is one that we did this past season that was really moving. I think I'd like to see things happen a little more subtly and over time, you know, consistently and less sort of hit you over the head with it for just one hour, and then we never talk about it again. I wish we could sort of touch on these social issues that are important and relevant and sort of have them be threads throughout. Right. Uh, She's tired of people giving a message uh, through Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch, but everybody else I know does. So there you go. Next, International Beer Day celebrated annually on the first Friday in August. It was started by a California man and some friends in 2008. The holiday was originally celebrated August 5th, 
but it was switched to, on 2013 to make sure the holiday always fell on a Friday. International Beer Day, beer Day is an opportunity for people to drink beer. Jesse Azalov and some friends did it. The official website for the holiday states its purpose as threefold, to gather with friends and enjoy the deliciousness that is beer, to celebrate the dedicated men and women who brew and serve our beer, and to bring the world together by celebrating the beers of all nations and cultures. Kavanaugh loves beer, right? I think, and so do you. So will you be celebrating later today? It's also a Friday. I think I have to. I have to do it for the country. Mmm, beer. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being there, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Senator John Cornyn is standing by. Gianna Caldwell will be joining us talking about crime, how it affected him and his family in Chicago, which is an absolute hellhole. I don't know why anybody would live there. Uh, and they have the worst leadership imaginable, and not only as governor, but especially as mayor. And the makes it worse is they're in denial about it. But it's not just in Chicago. It's San Francisco. It's Cal. It's San Francisco. It's Los Angeles. It's Philadelphia. It is Orlando. I'm hearing more and more. We were in Memphis the other day. Memphis was complaining about crime being the number one story, and it's certainly the number one story in New York. And now we have a battle between Texas and New York. Uh, and, of course, we're located in 48th and 6th in Senator John Cornyn, Senator from New York. Before we get to the Senator, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Crime is rising rapidly in our inner cities. Part of it is due to, I think, unfortunately, extreme left-wing progressive politicians where people are not being charged for the crimes they've committed. No kidding. That's John Yu. Crime is uh, rising everywhere as mayors spar with governors. Adam and uh, Abbott, the latest. Governor DeSantis gets rid of a DA that wouldn't prosecute crimes. And all havoc is broken out in all 50 states thanks to illegals now fanning out across our country, as many as 4 million. Number two. The United States is prepared for what Beijing chooses to do. We will not seek, nor do we want, a crisis. We will not be deterred from operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific. There you go. China's not the only one furious at Nancy Pelosi. They've just sanctioned her. So is the White House and State Department, who, according to Bloomberg, tried to convince the speaker not to go. She wants to make it a capstone on her career. China is in day two of their exercises. They've so thoroughly surrounded the island nation and shot a rocket over it for the first time. Number one. The idea that it's inflation reduction is something out of Georgia. Oh, well, it's not. But actually, the deficit gets worse for the next four years. Until it gets better after that. There you go. Uh, Larry Kudlow. It will pass and let the damage begin. I'm talking about the Manchin-Schumer debacle. Kirsten Cinema has now voted, is going to vote for it. She made some adjustments to it. With the numbers say it will do to the economy and your wallet. Senator, we have a lot to discuss. Thanks for joining me. Hey, glad to be with you, Brian. So you were you surprised that Senator Cinema apparently has decided to sign on to this bill on reconciliation should pass tomorrow? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. She, uh, of course, you know, she wasn't consulted. Neither were any of the other Democratic senators. This is a secret deal behind closed doors between Manchin and Schumer. And so everybody was trying to figure out what, what the heck is in it and what does it mean. 
uh, one thing we know for sure is it doesn't mean that inflation is going to be uh, reduced, uh, and thus the title of the, the bill itself is false. But then we know there's massive uh, wealth transfers from the middle class to wealthy people, whether it's to subsidize or health insurance or their uh, electric vehicle that middle class drivers can't afford. And then there's, uh, then there's price controls on uh, pharmaceuticals, which are going to result in shortages, as they always do. Um, so this is a bad bill, and that's why you'll see no Republican vote for it. I'm disappointed but not surprised that Democrats seem to be in favor of it. So one thing you're getting on fossil fuels, of course, at Texas, a, a oil state, they, they, they make the government auction off more lands for drilling and expand tax credits for coal and oil burning uh, plants to do carbon capture. And they said that they're going to make it the permitting uh, reform the permitting process by September. Does that make you feel better? Uh, not really. Um, you know, this the Biden administration had declared war on fossil fuels, and we saw what happened in uh, Europe when uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, and they were dependent solely on one source. But we we got to have all of the above strategy when it comes to our energy sources. That means renewables. That means uh, hydro. That means fossil fuels, including especially natural gas which has been responsible for a dramatic reduction in emissions in recent years. So I just I think this is kind of a, uh, this is a, a very much of a, uh, a grab bag. And uh, who knows how the Biden administration actually will execute this. I, I'm skeptical. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. In the, in the meantime, the market has not responded. Despite adding 500,000 jobs and having this bill pass, the market's down. I find it yeah. a little uh, mysterious uh, about that because the job numbers did come up over 500,000. They expected about 250. So when this goes on simple reconciliation, do you believe that uh, Senator McConnell was outmaneuvered? Would you have voted for the CHIPS bill? Uh, or do you think it would have passed the CHIPS bill uh, with 60 votes if you knew this was next? Well, we knew that uh, Democrats, if they were united, could do this no matter what we said, no matter what we did. So I don't really consider them connected. I know some people connected them, but I, I, I don't believe they should be. I thought that the CHIPS bill that's uh, shoring up that vulnerable semiconductor supply chain from Asia uh, was absolutely critical to our national security and economy. So it stood on its own. And I think China's response to Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan uh, demonstrates uh, how vulnerable that is and uh, something we should have gotten to much earlier, but finally have, have now addressed. So when we look at uh, what has happened, we know this, uh, Nancy Pelosi personally sanctioned, and they've broken off talks with the United States as China on climate, on military, and on trade. What are the effects of that, and what is your, how do you gauge their reaction so far, factoring in the military exercises around Taiwan? Well, I don't think the sanctions mean anything, because I never thought that the Chinese were sincere about uh, this climate stuff anyway. They build more coal-fired power plants in China today than anywhere else in the world. Uh, they, know, they understand the importance of affordable energy to build their economy and their national security. So I was in Taiwan with a number of colleagues from the House and the Senate in, uh, last November, and the uh, uh, Communist Party there made uh, threats against us. We just took that as part of what they do. Uh, but what we've seen in Ukraine is how one man's decision to invade a country, uh, what that can do to the world, particularly in Europe. And now I believe President Xi's 
statement that he intends to, quote, unify uh, the mainland China with uh, Taiwan sometime in the, in the future uh, is a real threat, and we're not prepared for it. Do you think this is a dry run, judging by the five sides in which they are responded with their chips? Is this how they're going to do it? I hope this is a wake-up call to the military planners and the Department of Defense and the administration and members of Congress that we better get our act together. Uh, we don't want to be in a war with anybody, uh, but the best way to avoid a war is to be prepared for one and to deter uh, China from uh, invading uh, Taiwan in the first place. Obviously, this is a big threat to the whole region, to Japan, Philippines, right. uh, all these countries in Asia. They understand that uh, they may not stop with Taiwan. So will you sign off on defensive weapons into Taiwan? And do you think that there's a plan in place to get them what they need to repel an attack? Um, I, I'm forgiving the Taiwanese anything they can use to defend themselves. Actually, that's consistent with the Taiwan Relations Act from 1978. That's part of our legal obligation to them. But yeah, I don't. I think we just got to change our uh, change the way we approach this because we can't simultaneously uh, fight wars in Europe and Asia. Obviously. Uh, Iran continues to seek nuclear weapons. Uh, North Korea continues to be a threat to its, the region and its neighbors. Uh, this is really a global threat, but I think our priority should be Asia and uh, right. avoiding a conflict in uh, the South China Sea with the People's Republic of China. Here's Cut 13, General Jack Keane this morning with me. This is sort of a rehearsal. They haven't done anything like this since 1995 and 1996, when the president of Taiwan visited the United States, and a similar reaction took place. Not on the same, not on the same scale as this. So he's. People are pretty astounded what's going on right now. How do you feel about the report that Nancy Pelosi had the White House and State Department fuming that she was going to make the trip? They tried to convince her not to, and she ignored it. And she went there for her legacy. How do you feel about the visit? How do you feel about what went down and how disjointed we apparently look around the world? And I think we do, too. Well, I don't I don't understand why the Biden administration wanted to pick a public fight with the Speaker of the House who was determined to go to Taiwan in the first place. Makes her look strong, makes him look weak. And it just served no useful purpose. But uh, General Keene is, is, is a guy I look to for uh, expert advice on this, and I think uh, he he's very, he's, knows what he's talking about. But, again, um, I don't think this is just a legacy thing for Nancy Pelosi. She's been pretty consistent on her, uh, on her uh, uh, opposition to the Chinese Communist Party there. But, uh, uh, so I, I'm, I say good for her. Lastly, uh, in immigration, Eric Adams and your governor are having a battle. Uh, Abbott's saying, come down, visit the border. I'm not dropping people in your state. I'm only dropping them in Washington, D.C., because uh, Washington, D.C. is ignoring uh, what is happening in his state, in your state, as well as Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Here's what Mayor Eric Adams said yesterday, Cut 28. No matter where you are in the globe, no one, if you're asking someone that's just came to America, or where would you like to go, they're not going to say Idaho. They're not going to say, you know, they're going to say the city that everyone knows. They're going to say New York, you know. And so you basically set us up. And, you know, this is a real crisis. He went on. Cut 30. The Texas governor invited us to the border 
uh, what the Texas governor should do is invite those who were trying to find housing in his state to give them housing instead of uh, sending them here. And he, he's upset that 100 people are coming to his city. What's your reaction? Well, I, I wondered what it would take to finally get some uh, folks across the aisle to wake up to what's happening at the border. It, 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 they, they didn't wake up after 3 million border encounters. They didn't wake up after 108,000 Americans died of drug overdoses, mainly coming over the southwestern border. And I know you focused a lot on the crime wave across the country, Brian, just because that's at the top of mind for most Americans. And yesterday, the FBI director, uh, he connected the dots between what's happening at the border, the criminal gangs, street gangs that distribute the narcotics yeah. uh, that come across the border and are responsible for the gun violence and a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the crime wave. So all of this is connected, but the Biden administration has been asleep at the wheel. So how do you feel about the governor shipping illegals to uh, city to city? Uh, How do you feel about the fact that most of these guys, as they came off the bus, are single men? They're supposed to be turned back, turned around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they're they're not being turned around. You you know, the fight over Title 42, the covid public health uh, rule that allowed the Border Patrol to turn people back. But the policy of the Biden administration is to welcome anybody and everybody who wants to come across the southwestern border. Uh, to, who claims asylum to, into into the United States? They give them work permits and they place them with their families uh, where they are around the country. So uh, I'm all for what Governor Abbott is doing because I think it's finally beginning to get the attention of some folks uh, here in Washington with the mayor. Hopefully that will extend to the White House so they'll work with us to try to secure the border and and prevent the flow of these narcotics from coming across the border that are killing so many people in so many communities across the country. So what I what I find unbelievable is it's very hard for Chris Ray to give a straight answer and mimic and, and to talk about the alarm he must feel with the illegals coming across the border, number one, with the Hunter Biden situation where FBI agents connived in order to keep that story down. And of course the FBI agents and what they were doing with Governor Whitmer's story. They basically scripted that whole thing out when Hunter kidnapping and not only didn't they pay for it, in one case the guy got a promotion. Here's a little of Chris Ray yesterday talking about the whistleblowers coming forward. Cut 33. We will be scrupulous in our uh, adherence to the rules related to whistleblowers. Um, Obviously, if there are allegations of misconduct by FBI employees, we want to make sure that that we get that information so that we can use the tools that we have to go after that conduct. So so were you happy with the answers you were getting? Not at all. I, I I respect uh, Director Ray, but he and the rank and file FBI agents that uh, that, uh, that that work there every day. But you know, there's something rotten uh, at the, when the FBI gets so enmeshed in politics. We saw a lot of this during the Trump administration with Crossfire Hurricane and the Steele dossier. It just is rotten, and it undermines, as I told the director yesterday, public confidence in in the men and women of the FBI who are trying to do the right thing every day. But all of this, all of this politics is just does nothing but cause people to be skeptical, and unfortunately, it ends up meaning that uh, uh, we see less support for their very important mission. Uh, yeah, I just I was not happy. Uh, Senator Cornyn, Mitch McConnell was on special report yesterday. And he was, uh, or two days ago, and he basically didn't sound optimistic that you guys are going to get the Senate. Uh, You're part of leadership. Do you feel as though the Senate is within your grasp? 
Well, it's the Democrats aren't going to give up, so we know it's going to be a fight. Uh, President Biden is doing everything he can to help us by uh, his uh, low approval ratings, and and uh, but we we got to we got to. This is going to be a fight for the future of the country, and I'm optimistic about the House. Uh, the Senate is going to be tougher, tougher play because we have so many um, retirements. Uh, but uh, we're going to be there and give it everything we've got, and uh, it's the future of the country depends on it, and uh, we know what's at stake. And you, Joe Manchin doesn't talk about you without saying we're good friends. What What is your takeaway why he did this? I, you know, it's it's amazing to me. Somebody does a, a a flip-flop like that just in a matter of a couple of weeks, and you just kind of wonder what's going on. First of all, I'm not sure Joe completely understands what he agreed to. Um, one of my colleagues asked him about the tax portion of this, and he showed no awareness at all of actually how it would work and how the trickle-down effect of the tax increases would even extend down to people making as little as $10,000 a year. Um, and then, you know, Joe says, well, this is a great win for fossil fuels, including coal. Well, the, the, the manufacturing tax, basically gotcha. this uh, corporate income tax, minimum tax. I know. Tax, he's uh, confusing. Yeah, I'll have to end it there, Senator. Uh, it's uh, confusing, but thanks so much, Senator John Cornyn. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Got a couple minutes here with Gianna Caldwell. Gianna's going to be on. You're going to be outnumbered top of the hour, Outnumbered, right? 12 p.m. Right. And, and you've been doing your thing here? Yes, absolutely. I've been here since Wednesday, my first time at headquarters since December 2019. So I'm really excited to be here with the people and certainly love my Fox News family. So when we, um, uh, we'll talk about your situation, but I also want to talk about what the governor of DeSantis did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do you think when he came out and fired that DA, suspended that DA, yes. do you think that was sending a message that would other Republican governors could pick up on? Yeah, I think Ron DeSantis has been a rock star. So there's a there's not much that I disagree with that he's done. He is my governor. I left L.A. in May 2020, two months into the L.A. shutdown. For Miami, and I'm telling you, it's a paradise, it's an island on on its own. Yes, it is sending a signal. Yes, it's sending signals to uh, state's attorneys, uh, prosecutors all across Florida and across the country. And this is what is needed. He didn't do anything wrong. He said, look, you got to enforce the law. That's what you were uh, elected to do. And if you don't want to do your job, you're out. Interesting, because Gascon is looking at a recall. Uh, in New York, you could fire him, but it's got to go through the legislature. Every state's different. Right. But he looked at him and goes, I could suspend the guy. So you're suspended. And he said, I'm coming in anyway. Very curious to see what happens today. More with Gianno Caldwell in just a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You know, I've been working for 20 years talking about how to improve our perfect system. So uh, certainly I think that's what we're working on every day, uh, improving the system. Uh, I am you know, proud of what we're doing at the Manhattan DA's office. Um, just mentioned some of the work we're doing. Really encouraged by the fact that homicides are down, shootings are down year to date uh, in Manhattan. And so... Yes, lots more work to do, but trending in the right direction. 
Really? Alvin Bragg, trending in the right direction. A lot more work to do. How about keeping people in prison? Do you ever thought about that? That might be effective. He's the Manhattan DA. With me right now in studio, Gianno Caldwell, not only Fox News uh, political analyst. You'll see him on the big show this weekend. And uh, sadly, twice since I've known you, you had a family victim of a, a random act of violence, and they lost their lives. Yeah. And, and now you just lost your brother. That That's right. And In I'm, Chicago. In Chicago, my brother Christian was murdered on June 24th on 114th Street, South Vincennes. He was standing outside of a venue when a black SUV pulled up. Three to four African-American men with dreads pulled out and began firing. He wasn't the intended target. There were multiple people hit. He was the only one who was killed. So do you think they intended to shoot him? They intended a target, and they were just going to shoot whoever was nearby. So it didn't matter. In Chicago, just walking down the street makes you a target. It used to be when I was growing up, you had to be affiliated with the gangs or someone in that sphere. Now it's everyone, no matter what. If it's someone next, if it's a grandmother right next to you, she gets shot too. And why is that? How did it get to this point? Did cops just back out? No, it, I don't think it's the cops that have backed out. Uh, although police are overworked, there's a need for a thousand detectives to solve these cases. Um, the soft on crime policies that we've seen persist, which I think a lot of them started not that long ago, 2017 being a key year when bail reform was started by way of the Cook County chief judge, the Cook County justice. He started bail reform. That's when a lot of these criminals would go in and come right out. It's a slap on the wrist. And in a number of these cases, it was actually violent crime. So that was one issue. And then you got what happened after George Floyd. You know, the whole country turned on his head. People wanted justice. They wanted police reform. And then there's nothing wrong with police reform. There's nothing wrong with the right kind of criminal justice reform, not violent crime. But certainly there should be a balance. And the Democrats went super far to the left. And now my family's paying the price. And now, not only that, no one owns it now. Except for right. Bush. No one's like, what away. are you talking yeah, about? I never said that. It wasn't. <laughs> so I, I was struck by this. On August 4th, 10 people, 945 days, 485 crimes. Just 10 people committed yeah. 900, uh, 485 crimes. It's the same people over and over again. Yeah, yeah. and there's new people, That's too. That's every city. That, it, it, and here's the thing, though, and, I, and I'll tell you, I've spoken with uh, younger family members of mine, and I said, well, why is it that people are just committing all these crimes in Chicago? And they said, well, they know if they commit a crime, they're not likely to get arrested. And if they get arrested, they're not likely to be prosecuted. So why not? And so, this is where we are right now as a country, not just Chicago. Yes, my family's paying the price. Yes, I'm fighting for justice for Christian every day. But at the same time, there are so many others who are victims to this cancer called soft on crime policies, which has infected every organ of, of, of the city government and state government in, in Illinois and across the country. So the very few Democrats who even say, I understand the right thing, like uh, show frustration. But listen to Mayor Eric Adams, cut 22. They say the difference... Definition of insanity is to do the same thing repeatedly, but expect different results. Our criminal justice system is insane. It is dangerous, it is harmful, and it's destroying the fabric of our city. Time and time again, our police officers make an arrest, and then the person who is arrested for assault, felonious assaults, robberies, and gun possessions, they're finding themselves back on the street within days, if not hours, after arrest. 
So he's uh, frustrated, and he says it's up to the state legislature, Democrat, to reform the old cash bail. So he can't win over his own party. Yeah, and it's become a disgusting and disturbing trend in these major cities where they maybe they had good intentions. I don't know, but it's costing lives. Like you're literally endangering the lives of millions of people across the country with these policies. You look at the the bodega, for example. You get a guy who comes across the counter, goes in, and he starts hitting a guy. He can't even really defend himself. They want to prosecute him for what was it? Uh, I forgot what it was. The, the charge they wanted to prosecute him for. Well, he stabbed the guy to death. Right, right, right. So you 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 had you had that situation where it was clearly self defense. Anyone with a brain could see that. But yet and still, you got the the he goes to Rikers. The district attorney. Oh yeah, we're going to prosecute you because maybe you harmed a criminal. Where like did, what where kind of mess from? is this? Where does this stuff come from? George Soros. This, this is these are the people that he has put in office. These are the people he's invested in, and these are the people that he gonna, he's going to continue to to continue to back. What needs to happen is the citizens of these major cities, whether they be left, right, progressive, or whatever, have to speak up and let their voices be known. They need to recall these district attorneys who are letting these criminals go out and commit more crime, and they need to uh, ensure that these people never get in again. They need to make sure that crime. Is illegal again. Uh, I, that, would, that sounds ins- insane. It does sound insane, but it's factual. It's true. So what is it going to take to go into the most challenging areas of Chicago and clean it out? I understand this is basically gang violence, correct? No, no. It's, it's not so true? It's, it's not mostly gang violence. It's violence against block after block. You can be a gangster disciple on one block or whatever, uh, a gangster disciple on the next block, and you guys are at war with each other. Or you can be a part of a clique, not a gang, but a part of a clique of some sort, and you're just friends from high school and you're fighting everyone else. It is a discombobulated moment for so many in the city of Chicago, whereas we don't know left and right because the young folks aren't following the traditions of the old days of the gangs. They're just basically out here wilding is the term that they use, and they're committing these crimes because they don't fear prosecution or the police. And here's the thing I hear in Los Angeles. They're following these these criminals and now following people with money into Beverly Hills, yep. the rich areas. Yep. And that's what you said to me. You said to me, it's happening in Chicago. They're going into the rich areas, from yes. the smash and grabs yes. to the assaults and robberies. Yes. And New York, Upper East Side, Upper West Side is susceptible. That, sadly... Will be that has to happen for people to realize it's everybody's problem, and I think we're already at that point, Brian. Especially you think of, you mentioned Beverly Hills. We can talk about any other area that's a very wealthy elite area, and you know they don't really take too kindly to being in fear of their lives. They pay good money to live where they live, but we're seeing that already in Chicago. The mayor has been saying, "Oh, we got a decrease in crime," uh, which is not really a decrease in my my view, but. At the same time, there's been an increase in areas that were usually and traditionally safe. You used to be able to go downtown without a problem. You didn't have to look over your shoulder, but now you do. I On the day the, the, the day after my brother's funeral, which was a Sunday, I stayed at a nice hotel. I leave. Two hours later, there's a shooting that takes place about two blocks away. Like, where is this? Yeah. This, is, this is insanity on steroids. But this is where we are, and I think people have seen – 
what these policies are doing, and they're going to be demanding justice in these upcoming elections. But we need to really focus on these recalls to get these people out now versus waiting. Well, put it this way. George Soros says everything he's doing is working. He, he doubles and triples down on it. People have to be able to match him money-wise. Yeah, they, they do. And I'm going to tell you, people who were able to really, in, say, for example, Illinois, could match him with people like billionaire Ken Griffin. But Ken Griffin has seen the crime, and he said, hey, I'm moving my business out of Chicago because of the crime. He's going to Miami, which where I live now, a very, very safe area. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have to look around my shoulder when I'm in Miami. And you got a great mayor, Mayor Suarez. Yeah, no, he's excellent. So, and a great governor. And what be, I know you have to run to outnumbered, which comes on at 12 o'clock, but what's the latest on your brother's investigation to find out who, who killed him? Well, there's a lot that the police don't know. There's some things that aren't reportable yet. So we're just kind of waiting and seeing and hoping that the the justice system works and that Kim Fox, when these folks are caught, that she prosecutes them to the fullest extent of the law. And I'm going to keep the pressure campaign going. Thank God for our, our Fox News family who's allowing me to keep the pressure going and keep my brother's name alive. Right. Uh, so, Gianno, great to see you. Uh, and will you'll be back next week? Well, yes, next week, next weekend, I'll be co-hosting the big show on Saturday and Sunday. And folks can find me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gianno Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-O Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. All right, Gianno, best of luck. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. When we come back, we'll finish up with we'll find out for sure if there's more to know. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Quick reminder, coming up Saturday at 8 o'clock, repeated at 11 and I believe at 3 o'clock in the morning, depending on your time zone. Uh, we'll be have one nation among our guests will be Mitch Daniels make heads or tails of this new bill. Lindsey Graham will respond honestly and openly about what's happening with the challenge of China. And we'll also have some another more uh, more special guests, including an interview with Herschel Walker. Brian Kilmeade show. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. Because apparently he's cheaper than infomercials for nonstick pans. That is not true. Chill out, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, I think the efforts by the White House to try to stop the Taiwan uh, new bill for Taiwan that myself and Senator Menendez have written and introduced is a huge mistake. This is Ukraine all over again. Every time they come into conflict with a bully, they back down. So they're trying to water down the bill I've written with Senator Menendez. There's no bigger defender of Taiwan than Bob Menendez. He's head of the Taiwan caucus. I think he's upset. Uh, it, they, everybody should be upset. So uh, basically you have the Speaker of the House who, uh, according to Bloomberg, ticked off and infuriated the White House and the State Department because she went to Taiwan. Then she gets China all ticked off. They said sending rockets all over the place in military exercises, five of which land in the so-called economic zone of Japan. And the Japanese are saying calling for an end to the exercises. Then they have the individual sanctions on the speaker and they've broken off talks with us on climate. Oh, it breaks my heart, as well as military, social and trade. So talks that are going on are all ended because the speaker of the House went and she told them not to. I mean, the minute they protested, you had to show up. 
Very interesting to see where we go from here. What we did do, and I think is terrible, is we ended military exercises. We ended military exercises that were supposed to happen for us. We were just going to do some rocket testing. You know, ICBMs, make sure they work. And we had a list of plans that said, well, let's not aggravate them. Let's not aggravate them. It's our, it's our job to make sure we're ready to fight. Who cares if they're aggravated? But we have that, and you have Thomas Friedman writing that, you know, we're doing a good job keeping them at bay in the Russia-Ukraine fight. This could tick them off. They could start selling Russian arms. And if they sell Russian arms, they would lose access to the European and U.S. marketplace, at which time they would hold on to some manufacturing. It would lead to the ultimate breakup of the two worlds. It's not our fault. It's not our issue. That, to me, is key. By the way, Lindsey Graham is going to be joining me on One Nation uh, a little bit later on. This is going to be this weekend at 8 o'clock. Here's John Kirby trying to talk about his policy, which I know he doesn't support. Cut eight. The United States is prepared for what Beijing chooses to do. We will not seek, nor do we want, a crisis. At the same time, we will not be deterred from operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific, consistent with international law, as we have for decades, supporting Taiwan and defending a free and open Indo-Pacific. Okay, uh, read that and see if that works. So we'll see. Uh, that, that, uh, that region is on fire right now. And the question is, what are we going to do to stop it uh, should they advance? The one thing I'm heartened by is they cannot lose the pandemic. they got a million people minimum locked down within their country. Number two, the housing market for them is collapsing. And they have youth unemployment, I find this fascinating, that is really dragging down their economy. And the one worry they have had is finding jobs for all the people that they have. They have built entire cities that remain vacant, including storefronts like Starbucks and others, as if people are going to come there just to keep people busy. Think about that for a second. Just to keep people busy. The other big story that happened uh, last night is Kirsten Sinema has signed off on this big climate bill. They want to say it's it's inflation reduction bill. It's anything but. And that's what experts are saying. Anything but. I'm talking about the CBO. And, of course, both sides diminish the CBO when they come up with something that they don't like. But listen to this. This is pretty flagrant and uh, hard to spin. It doesn't address. It doesn't address inflation. Quote. The, inflation, the, the CBO reported inflation. Enacting this bill would also reduce some business incentives to invest through the changes in the after-tax return on private investments. What does that mean? If you go ahead and just say everybody pays 50% tax, there's no incentive to maybe do things that will be a tax break, like open up other branches, open up, uh, open up other buildings, open up other um, uh, strip malls. Anything that you might want to do as a corporation, if there's no break and you're paying the same tax, what's the incentive to generate more. The, the, rain, the Reduction Act, he goes on to say, they say the range of likely outcomes reflects uncertainty about how various provisions of the bill would affect the demand and output, the supply of labor, the persistent disruption of the supply of goods and services, and how the Federal Reserve would respond to offset any increases, make people, the CBO, be, be undetermined on what will happen. Said the bill could increase inflation by 2023. Extending Obamacare subsidies for the wealthy would reduce incentives to work and the 15% corporate tax they think will be counterproductive. What I found stunning is this 230 economists warn Joe Manchin's spending bill will perpetuate, it will perpetuate inflation. 230. I'm talking about Princeton, Columbia, University of Virginia, Duke. These are where these professors are from. Please describe to me. This is not Hillsdale. These are, these are liberal groups. 
they say they would do nothing sort of uh, in, of, of um, said this is inaptly named the Inflation Reduction Act. This would do nothing so, uh, sort of instead of would per- perpetuate the same fiscal policy errors that have helped precipitate the current troubling economic climate. A few of the notable signers include Nobel laureate Vernon Smith, uh, Kevin Hassett, of course, Jim Miller, Robert Heller, uh, all there. It's hard of 230. It's hard to have 230 people agree on anything. One person that does agree that it's a problem, our own Nobel laureate, Larry Kudlow, Cut five. The idea that it's inflation reduction is something out of George Orwell. It's not. By the way, the CBO came out with a preliminary scorecard, just preliminary stuff. But actually, the deficit gets worse for the next four years until it gets better after that. But the getting better is full of gimmicks, so I don't believe a word of it. And anybody who thinks more federal spending is not inflationary... Or all these tax hikes, as you say, they're middle-class tax hikes. I agree with that. Pretty much across the board tax hike. The business tax hikes, Sean, are going to be brutal and will have a bad impact on real wages and uh, typical family incomes. Senator Cornyn told us he doesn't think that Joe Manchin even understands all of this. And they're friends. Uh, Good news for fossil fuel people. It'll make the government auction off more lands for drilling and expand tax credits for coal uh, coal coal and oil burning uh, they have carbon capture, so it'll allow them to continue to open some coal plants. So we'll see that. They're going to make more federal land uh, available, and they're going to streamline the permit process as early as September. $369 billion investment in climate and clean energy, $735 bill, uh, billion overall. You want to buy an electric car, they'll give you 7500 bucks of our money, $60 billion to encourage clean energy usage. More spending. Somebody's happy. I guess. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget to watch One Nation, 1 o'clock on Saturday night, and go to briankilme.com and find out when I'll be in New Jersey, August 27th. Tickets available. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.